I'm Lior Phillips, host of This Must Be The Gig. We're a weekly podcast that documents everything about the world of live music. Speaking with choreographers, costume and set designers, the people who run beloved venues and festivals, and, of course, speaking with musicians about that one gig that changed their lives. Get your peek behind the curtain at consequenceofsound.net, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Consequence Podcast Network. Welcome back to another edition of Album of the Week, presented by Consequence of Sound Podcast Network. I'm your host, Dedrick Hendricks. Every week, myself and a fellow writer for Consequence of Sound review an album, take a deep dive into the album, talk about some of the good, the bad, the verdict, some of the essential tracks, and more. To keep up with the podcast, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review iTunes, Google Play, everywhere podcasts are available. Be sure to keep up and find us and make us one of your favorite podcasts. Every week, we keep you in the know while you're on the go on the Consequence of Sound Podcast Network. So for this week's Album of the Week, I'm going to be joined by Tyler Clark, senior writer, as we review the new album, Greater Van Fleet's debut album, Anthem of the Peaceful Army. The buzz behind this new rock band has reached an all-time high. And all the anticipation reaches to their debut album, Anthem of the Peaceful Army. Greater Van Fleet is three brothers, Jake, Josh, and Sam Kiska, along with Danny Wagner, who was on the drums. All of them are in their lower 20s, so this is a new rock band expanding on the horizon. And this is the, this new album is a dialect that enables us to communicate with no cultural boundaries. In this album, the world is a place of beauty, full of color, full of luster, diversity, and synergy, where we can freely agree to disagree Without acrimony, this band has been associated with the legendary Led Zeppelin and Robert Plant. The overall perception of them and the negative perception, I guess, would be that they sound like a 70s rock band and they sound like a tribute band or a cover band. Well, their debut album was pretty much in hopes of ending that perception of them that they are a 70s cover band. And that's what they try to get across here in the anthem of the Peaceful Army. We've already heard When the Curtain Falls. That was released back in July. That's one of the singles for the album. Watching Over was one of their singles as well. Watching Over was released actually just last month in early September. We've heard Lover Lever, Taker Believer. Um, that was released uh, late September. So we're approaching almost a month since that was released. Lover Lever. And then also we've heard Anthem. One of my personal favorite tracks on the album. Anthem was actually released earlier this month, October 5th. One of the singles on the album. And finally, You're the One was actually released on October 16th. So those are the singles for the new album, Anthem of the Peaceful Army by Greater Van Fleet. Album of the Week. And today we are reviewing Greater Van Fleet's debut album, Anthem of the Peaceful Army. Let's go ahead and bring in Tyler Clark, senior writer, who has a review up at consequencesound.net. Tyler, we're back at it again. What's going on? That's right. We're the uh, like a tag team here. We should oh. get, I feel like if we uh, if we did if we were like a you know like a wrestling thing, I think our entrance music would have to be back home again in in Indiana, right? Like yes, yes. We don't. That's the that's the hype anthem, right? Yeah, <laughs> absolutely, man. We don't have our tag belts yet, but we're gonna we're gonna work towards that um, and get our tag right. team champion belts. But we, we are Hoosiers <laughs> again, reviewing albums. Uh, two Indiana guys here, and we're reviewing Greater Van Fleet's debut album, Anthem of the Peaceful Army. This time around, I know last week we reviewed Kurt Vile, um, Bottle It In. This week, we're gonna differ on a lot of things. Uh, on last week's album of the week, we agreed a lot. 
Um, but this week, I think so, yeah. yeah, this week is going to be a little different. So let's go ahead and dig into it. So this is the debut album of pretty much the proclaimed, you know, bringing back the 70s sound rock band yeah. of the 2018s. Um, honestly, to start off, you know, initially when I first heard Great Event Fleet, I heard Highway Tune, I heard Safari Song, and you know, they kind of grew on me. At first, I'm just like, who is this? I mean, is this Led Zeppelin tribute band, cover band? You know, I, I <laughs> you know, and I, I felt bad for having that opinion, you know, because yeah, because it, it sounds really good. You know, I can't take it away from them. So that was my initial reaction when I first heard them. So I was really anticipating this debut album. So now that we finally got it, um, let's, let's dig into it. So let's begin with uh, pretty much some of the background. What preceded this debut album from Great Event Fleet? Sure. Yeah, so I mean, you know, like you alluded to, you know, they've been sort of touring around the last year, especially on the strength of those two debut EPs, which have been, you know, again, like sort of taking the the young young person's rock world by by storm a little bit. Um, you know, they've had dates sort of all over the place. You know, if you look at their tour schedule recently, you know, they've been in they've been in Europe. They did festivals over there. Um, they were all over festivals in the States this summer, um, you know, all sort of all the big ones. Um, I got a chance to see them at Lollapalooza and, nice. you know, their, their live show is, is undeniable. Like it's really, um, you know, it was one of the only, uh, live or one of the only sets at Lollapalooza where like, I, I saw people like running to make sure that they like got up there and, you know, got a spot for it. So that they wouldn't miss it, and uh, you know it didn't disappoint. Like it was in a year where uh, rock kind of felt like an endangered species a little bit, especially you know at Lala, um, they were definitely one of the biggest, um, you know, one of the biggest splashes um, for their genre. And I think that probably extends to most of the festivals they played at. Um, you know, they've, you know, like we said, most of those festival dates. So they were they were touring on on old older material and so you know we we knew an album was coming and uh in some of the sort of pre-release interviews and stuff that they've done recently they revealed that Mm -hmm. you know their their original plan was to kind of go into the studio and rework some of the other material that they'd been building for the last couple of years but they just hadn't you know hadn't gotten to yet but that apparently when they did get into the recording process they kind of felt a little bit of momentum and wound up recording apparently like 75% writing and recording 75% of this record um, over the course of like two weeks in the studio. So it was just this sort of like um, inspired moment where they, where they were just sort of seized by creativity and just sort of came out of the studio with most of this record, you know, that didn't exist before they went in. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, obviously the, kind of uh story and the kind of like background of this record you know obviously i think lends itself to a lot of hype you know this feels this does feel like one of the most anticipated records of the year and and also maybe one of the most anticipated rock debuts of you know for a long time i can't immediately you know think of a think of a rock record that has come with more anticipation recently than this one yeah, so let's let's kind of introduce the band a little bit in case someone's been on a different planet in the last year sure. or so. Who's all in the band? Who plays what? Let's go ahead and start there as well. 
Yeah. Uh, so we've got um, it's three brothers, right? And 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 uh, to begin with, and uh, they're mm-hmm. the the Kiska brothers. Mm-hmm. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Boy, that would be. <laughs> See, I tried to pass it uh, off on but, you. I, I, I tried to pass it off. I, I got the, I got the first, I got the first name. So I was like, you know what? Hopefully, well, yeah, we don't have a pronunciation guy. That's right. So we've got um, they're from Frank and Muth, Michigan. Though uh, these guys grew up sort of, you know, listening to blues and everything like that. And you know, they they sort of like um, have been pretty clear that that Led Zeppelin actually, even though they very much, and we'll get to that later too, they very much sound like. Led Zeppelin on a lot of their best tracks that, that, you know, that was a band that sort of they all came to in like high school. And so it wasn't this like foundational, you know, they, they didn't like hadn't set out to just sound like Robert Plant um, <laughs> from the beginning. But, uh, you know, yeah, they, they list a lot of the like classic blues and, and uh, 60s rock kind of stuff as their as their sort of influences. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so they've got the, the three brothers. There's Josh on vocals. Danny Wagner on the drums. Right, right. <laughs> I can pronounce that one. Yeah. Jake is the guitarist, yep. and uh, uh, Sam, Sam. Is, plays bass. Sam Kiska. So, yeah, so we got the, these guys, like I say, like, you know, holding it down, mm-hmm. playing a lot of local shows around Michigan um, mm-hmm. for the last few years. Came to prominence with these uh, couple of EPs they put out last year and have kind of, you know, uh, ascended from there. You know, they, they kind of, it almost felt like they kind of arrived fully formed in a lot of ways. And, and this has been certainly their big breakout year um, with all those festival dates and all those um, European dates mm-hmm. n- announcing themselves on the, uh, in the rock world here. First of all, I am jealous that you got to see them already. I mean, scheduled to see them December. They're going to be in Chicago yeah. for a couple dates, so I'll get to check them out once. And there, there is something about their live performance and how they sound live that I will mention later on as we dig in to the song. So let's go ahead and get into it. All right. Let's start with the good. Um, what were some good things? Because you have a lot of bad. I think your bad is a little bit longer than the good. So <laughs> so let's, let's start with what you like from uh, Anthem of the Peaceful Army. Sure. I mean, yeah, for me, I mean, this one felt almost like it was like half and half. It was like a tale of, of two records. Um, and, you know, again, I think... As part of my good, and and you know, I hope they forgive me for continuing to, to beat on this. But I mean, they really, at their best, I mean, they do have such a connection and such a sound that that does evoke those, you know, Led Zeppelin and associate and associated acts um, from the seventies. And it's just, it is undeniable. Like you, just the the sort of the raw talent on display here, um, especially from you know vocals on the lead guitar um, is just tremendous. I mean, from the vocal range to the solo work, I mean, it's just um, it's just a really tremendous showcase of that. And I mean, they, they do it in a way that um, is incredibly, like, ev- evocative and at, at its best, like, doesn't quite fall into the world of, like, pastiche or anything. Like, um and they, you know, they they really lean into that a lot of that like '70s sound, and it goes past Zeppelin. Like on, you listen to like the Cold Wind, you've got a little mm-hmm. bit of that like Southern rock. You can almost hear some like CCR in there a little bit. Hey! It feels like someone unearthed a record from 1975, and just like you know. <laughs> gave it to you and and if you didn't know that this was recorded 
in 2018, like, I think you could, you could be forgiven for, you know, for making that mistake. Like so many of these songs, like, I think I say in the review, like when I hear age of man, Like, it feels like I'm hearing a song from, like, the Dazed and Confused soundtrack or, like, Almost Famous or something, you know? Like, it's just, it, 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 it taps into a style of rock music that I think, I mean, maybe because it's so ubiquitous and maybe because, like, the idea of, like, the classic rock industry mm-hmm. out there has, you know, has been such a strong influence even today that, like, you don't find a lot of like really young, really dynamic bands fully embracing that sound and fully, um, you know, leaning into it and being sort of like, and certainly you, you don't find a lot of bands who are doing that blowing up in the way mm-hmm. that Greta Van Fleet has. And so I think that they've obviously tapped into something. They've, 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 they've tapped into a need or a, you know, a, a you know, a desire in their generation for, I think in the Chicago Tribune's, um, recap of Lollapalooza, there's a quote in there um, from some some attendee at Lollapalooza who was, I think, you know, described as like a, you know, pretty, pretty young, uh, pretty young person saying that like they wanted to make sure to catch Greta Van Fleet's set because they were playing like real music and they wanted to see like a band that like actually played their instruments and actually played, you know, rock music in the way that like it has been mythologized. And, mm-hmm. and I think they're definitely... Um, proficient at that and and you know and good at it and they have the talents to back it up um i think all of that all of those qualities come together best on um the song lover lever taker believer That that one is sort of the sweet spot for me on the record, where you know you kind of get that like, you know, it's got that like charging beat, but it's also kind of like jammy, and the lyrics are like it's like a love song, but it also incorporates a bunch of like imagery that would feel at home in like a first edition Dungeons and Dragons campaign. <laughs> you know, it just has that like it just has that vibe, and it and it feels sort of natural and sort of effortless on that one uh, in a way that I think is really appealing. To kind of simplify mine, I just I'm glad rock bands are back. That that's my pretty much summary, my synopsis of this entire album is that rock bands are back. When you think of today's best rock bands compared to the Led Zeppelins, compared to you mentioned CCR, compared to Jimi Hendrix Experience, um, compared to those rock bands, obviously it's not the same. I mean, it's like night and day. So that was one thing that kind of refreshed me um, was just yeah. that rock bands are back. You know, what? regardless if they have that similar sound, you know, someone like me, I'm a music nerd, dude. So, like, mm-hmm. I, I listen to every anything and everything, especially classic rock. For me, it's refreshing to hear someone in today's world of music and very young guys, too. I mean, younger than me. Yeah, so, all like so, early, early 20s. Yeah. yeah. So 
um, for me, that was refreshing. So that was my good. And you mentioned Love Reliever, Take Her Believer, one of my favorites on the album as well. Um, the guitar in that pretty much sets the entire tone. Personally, I wasn't huge on the lyrics in that one, but Jake absolutely killed the guitar in that. That just instantly made it one of my essentials. So um, another thing I liked as well was all of these tracks. And I did mention that I haven't seen them live yet. A lot of these tracks make me really, really, really want to see them live. You mentioned uh, The Cold Wind, which was one of my personal favorites. Early on, and you kind of mentioned this in the bad in your review up at consequencesound.net, I felt like it's kind of top heavy. I I feel like the beginning, like the first half of the album is absolutely incredible. Uh, Outside of the last track, Anthem, which I like that you don't, and we'll get into that here in a minute, but I feel like it's kind of top heavy. What did you think of kind of the outline of the album? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think the, you know, sequencing sticks out here as a bit of a, of an issue. I, I agree with you on that one. I mean, yeah, for me, like the, the first half of the record, the, you know, the A side is sort of, is sort of where it's at. And then, you know, I, I really thought it sort of lost steam by the end. Um, yeah, the, the stuff on the back half just kind of, it, it, it petered. It was one of those things where like after the, the first few songs, I kept waiting for like, I kept waiting for the record to like really explode and really like, you know, sort of keep building that momentum into something that was like a really big payoff, like a really big, you know, either like some sort of like epic jam or like something with the rhythm section, like really taking the four on, on a song. And, and it just, you know, the energy level kind of flagged a little bit and it just never really, it never really developed into that like proper, second half climax that mm. that i was looking for i think that was in terms of sequencing that was that was sort of what i noticed and what i was feeling when i was listening to the record yeah and uh another thing that i thought you know could have been altered a little bit or not really altered but just added was i felt like the album was short as well i guess that could be a good and bad thing i, I was left a little underwhelmed like oh i want more yeah but at the same time i felt like it was a little short yeah and i mean i think for me for me that that that's more that's more forgivable, especially like, you know, in, in, in my estimation, like it was about half and half in terms of like the good and the bad. And so like, I'd like to see that, I'd like to see that percentage go up a little bit, that ratio change a little bit before, before I like demand more. I, I I was sort of, I was, I was okay with it. I was ready for it to be, I was, I was, I was, I thought it ended where it, where it needed to end, I guess. Yeah. (laughs) So there were, so there were two tracks. This is, I guess, not the really moment I've been waiting for the most, but kind of, because you got two tracks Mm -hmm. on, in uh, in your paragraph on the bad that I loved. Mm -hmm. Um, I love you're the one and I love Anthem. What was, what was your beef with those, man? I guess for those, for those, like it just, those are the ones that felt the most sort of like museum PC or like, mm-hmm. like out of step with like what out of step with maybe the last like 40 years or whatever of the evolution of rock and roll. Like they just, I thought the lyrics were, were particularly tired on those two. Those, those were, those were my lyrical clangers on this one. Um, you know, I thought that they kind of, on the one hand, uh, I thought you're the one sort of, fell back and this this came up a couple times on the record they fell back on some of the like like evil woman tropes and all that (laughs) which i just i i don't know like it doesn't feel it doesn't feel like um in step really with like where we've come in music and where we've come sort of culturally i guess um 
and Anthem really bugged me too because I feel like, you know, a lot of what made rock so vital and important, like when it was on the ascent and when, you know, during the period where Greta Van Fleet is, is sort of drawing inspiration from was that it was, you know, it was transgressive. Like it was, it was music that, that sort of challenged, you know, challenged norms and challenged our comfort levels and, and, you know, had the ability to kind of, you know, make us sort of uncomfortable too. To end the record on a song like that, where it's like, especially now we're in a time that feels so like not not only politically polarized, but just like where politics is so like vital and has taken this mm-hmm. much sort of greater um, prominence in sort of the everyday lives of a lot of people. I felt like that song was kind of arguing against all of that, and like you know they're saying like agree to disagree, and like you know finding that like sort of mushy common ground stuff. And it just didn't feel, it just didn't resonate with me. It just felt like that was a song and a sentiment from a different time period. And like right now it just didn't feel like something that we need, I guess, or that like, (laughs) or that would really speak to a, you know, a big sort of segment of the population. I mean, that could be, like I say, like that, I, I could be, I could be off base on that, but that is, that is how those songs landed for me. And th- those were also the ones that sort of drew me the most, like, out of the the fiction, out of the, like, oh, man, these guys are like, you know, it's like a, you know, these, these guys could be Led Zeppelin. And it was those where I was like, oh, man, no, that's, you know, that, that, that was where the glass sort of broke a little bit a couple times. So, so you know what? All right. This, so this is what I'll follow it up with. All right. If I were to ask you one song from this record that pretty much sets the tone and tells you what the album is about and their their goal in mind. I mean, what they wanted to get across in their message yeah. throughout the album. What's what one song would that be? Oh, I mean, I think it would probably be Anthem. Okay. I think I think Anthem is probably the is probably the thesis statement of of this record. It's just it's just not one that I it's just not one that I agree <laughs> with. <laughs> yeah, see that that's what I, I guess, I mean, on top of liking the song, because I, re- I really did like it, truthfully, and I, I just felt yeah. I always listen to albums and try to think of one song that introduces me to the album, tells me what it's about, what they want to get across, and that also is what made me like it. Mm. Um, that's that's why I asked that. I, I just felt like if yeah. that, that was a point they wanted to get across, you know, music, you know, this is a call to arms, they said, let us sing the anthem of the Peaceful Army. You yeah. know, it, it all... It introduces you to what they wanted to get across, but you also yeah. you had some more things in the bad that you didn't like from mm-hmm. the album as well. Yeah, and I mean, you know, I think a lot of it is. I mean, you know, we've we've heaped, we've heaped a lot of praise on them for, you know, for sort of being able to evoke the sort of seventies sound a lot and the sort of seventies vibe, but there just came a point on the second half where I was just like, is this? Is this it? Like, are they gonna are they gonna make this sound their own in any way? Because they've got the talent to do it. Like, that's that is not debatable. I don't think you know. Like, you can't listen to you can't listen to those, the, that guitar, those vocals without realizing, like, oh man, these kids are like you know, 
they've got it. Like they they're totally more than capable from a performance standpoint of, you know, filling an arena and writing a hit song. Um, but yeah, it just kind of felt like they were they were content a little bit to just mm-hmm. be kind of like writing this writing this sound out. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's also like that made me wonder too. And that was what sort of made me take a harder look at, you know, at some of the material, at some of the, the, the lyrics and all that, because it was like, you know, I was sort of thinking to myself, like, well, oh, man, like, if these songs weren't being performed by these, you know, incredibly talented people, and if the singer didn't sound like he was being inhabited by the, like, <laughs> ghost of Robert Plant, even though Robert Plant's <laughs> not even dead yet, right? you know, would these songs hold up would these songs still be appealing and still be you know ones that i would want to come back to and ones that i would want to listen to if they were you know if it was a a sort of more you know not normal i guess but like a a different voice singing them or a or a different you know slightly different guitar player and i for a lot of them it was just no i didn't think so i was like i feel like that like like i said like the talent is there but maybe the the songwriting is still, you know, is still sort of too married a little bit to the past for me. Um, and I would love to, I would love to see, you know, I, I, I am excited to see like how they evolve mm-hmm. after this and, and, and going forward. I mean, I certainly don't think, you know, this is not like a, this is not a death sentence by any means, <laughs> but it's, you know, it was, it was like, okay, like you've, you've proven what you, you know, what you can do from a performance standpoint. It's like, let's see what you can really do from, you know, from a songwriting and from a, you know, the evolution of your craft. Well said, well said. And and maybe I'm guilty of uh, falling too in love with the Robert Plant sound. Quite, (laughs) quite possibly I could be guilty of that. Maybe I'm, I mean, it's a great, it's a great sound. That's the thing. Like it's for sure. Like the appeal, I get the appeal and I get like, like I said, like I was grinning like an idiot when I saw him (laughs) at small blues. I thought they were fantastic live band. And but but I feel like that's the yeah that that is the kind of thing where sometimes, you know that you, you you sort of overlook everything else when you're just so wowed by this, this like you know this talent in front of you. I mean, and that was that was something that you know that I was I experienced as well. And I'm sure you're, you're probably going to have that same experience in December. <laughs> I just feel like I've been blind, maybe brainwashed a bit into. Uh, <laughs> and this is this would be my follow up question to that. So what were what were some key moments, some memorable moments throughout this project for you? What were some moments in this album? It could be, you know, a, a drum solo, a guitar solo, vocals. Uh, what were some memorable moments from the album for you? Uh, well, I think Age of Man, the opener. I thought that was a really um, interesting choice for for the opener. You know, it's got it kind of has that very like very proggy mm-hmm. sound to it. And, and in my notes, I think I even said like it almost feels like. It feels more like a closer almost than than an opener, but you know when you reconsider it as sort of the you know the the opening statement of the record, it it um, I think I was based on that intro like that felt like that may have been when I sort of got that feeling that we were building towards some you know some crazy epic climax because like that song sort of like set that very dramatic very you know very almost theatrical tone. Um, and I really liked that. I mean, you know, we talked about, I think last week we talked about, you know, Kurt Vile sounding like a road trip record. Mm-hmm. I mean, this song is like, you mm-hmm. know, this feels like a 
seventies driving montage if I've ever <laughs> if I've ever seen one or heard one. Um yeah, so I mean I love that one. I love the um you know, a lot of the some pr- pretty excellent solo work mm-hmm. um on uh some of those other A side tracks, When the Curtain Falls mm-hmm. as a uh a really great one and um Watching Over also, which is I think one we haven't really um haven't really talked about yet. But yeah, there's some pretty excellent guitar work on those as well. Um, and then, yeah, just all sort of all of, I really like the, uh, the sort of quasi, quasi fantasy lyrics of, uh, I mean, they come up in a couple places, but I think on Lover Lever, Taker Believer, those, those really hit in a sort of a weird, weird, cool way. (laughs) Yeah, that was, that was definitely one of mine. Uh, the guitar on Lover Lever, Taker Believer, that was definitely one of mine. Mm. Um, Although it feels like it's been out forever, but when the curtain falls, obviously had moments in there. Didn't it come out in like July or June or something? It, it just feels like because so, that was the one. That was the one they played on silent that got such a big. They That's got like right. a standing ovation. That's right. Yeah, yeah. It was. It was. Uh, yep. It was released in July. I just had to look it up. Yeah. So that one. That one's been out for a while. Um. Obviously, we've heard. Uh, we heard anthem that was released prior to this album release as well so those were a few overall the verdict i love your first line man all right in, in quotes classic rock is classic for a reason all right so w- what did you mean by that in your verdict well i just mean that you know it's one of those things where and again we, we touched on it a little bit that like mm-hmm. I, because of sort of the strength in sort of n- numbers and i hate to say maybe narcissism of the generation for which the you know these songs were, you know, of their youth with the baby boomers and all that. Like, classic rock has sort of been a dominant thing for, you know, certainly all of my lifetime and, mm-hmm. and definitely all of the lifetime of, um, you know, the guys in Greta Van Fleet. And, you know, so it, it has that sort of cultural ubiquity and that, that sort of, like, blueprint style of, like, this is what rock and roll is, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and, and I think that using that as a starting point is certainly fine, but there's been, like I said, like there's been 40 years of <laughs> of evolution um, to catch up with and to sort of like examine as well. And so it, it, it sort of, at many points on this record, it sort of felt like um, the sort of like influence line gets like cut off around 1976. Basically, like anything mm-hmm. anything before punk, basically, <laughs> and then like. And then you just, you know, it, it's sort of that, that is where we're drawing from. And that's fine. And that, and that is a, you know, uh, certainly like, as we've said today, like, it's definitely a fun thing to listen to. And it's also like, you can see why it was popular, you know, in its heyday as well. But like you said as well, in the very beginning here, like, you have to move past that or you risk sounding like a tribute band, you know, like you risk, you know, just, just doing a very, very, you know, adept impersonation mm-hmm. of that sound rather than using that sound as an influence and then adding your own creativity and craft to it to make it something your own. And I mean, obviously, like, there's nothing new under the sun. You can't reinvent rock and roll mm-hmm. um, in 2018, but you can certainly, you know, you can put some of your own spin on it a little bit. And I just didn't, I didn't get a ton of that spin on this record yeah and I, I mentioned earlier how i'm a music nerd and maybe i've been blind to the fact that 
Um, they do sound exactly like, you know, some of the classic rock bands. I, I did also come to the conclusion. See, I was a little I was a little bit more harsh prior to hearing this album, like probably way too mm-hmm. harsh um, about them. Um, I even went as far as to say they were a glorified Led Zeppelin tribute band. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's, that's, and and that's the thing that like, you know, you've in prepping for this piece, like, I mean, that has certainly been a, you know, a big criticism of theirs. And it's one that they've taken, you know, they've taken great issue with, but then like, you can only get so upset about something like that. Right. And then when you deliver a record that sounds like this one does, like, that's not really proving your point, you know, like it's proving everybody else's point because, you know, if you're getting upset about being compared to Led Zeppelin and then you write a record that sounds like a Led Zeppelin record, well, it's, you know, it's, you have to wonder at some point, like, Mm -hmm. who are the, you know, who's making the mistake here? Is it, is it all the listeners or is it, you know, these four guys? I mean, not mistake, but like, you know, who's, who's incorrect, I guess, about, about this. I've always wanted to because there's no time travel. All right. There's no device that allows us to go back to the 70s. There's no device to allow us. This isn't Austin Powers. OK, we can't go back to right. the 60s and you not know, yet. <laughs> not yet. Anyway. Um, so part of me now even excited and happy to have a rock band in today where I can actually go out and see them. You know, they, as you mentioned, they, yeah. they've been touring. They are touring. And unfortunately, I can't. I mean, I can see Robert Plant. If I want, and he's still touring and doing it. But so part of me is just excited that, you know what? It's 2018. We have a rock band, you know, to to go see. So that's just maybe my music nerdness, I guess. Oh, well, and I think that like their value as a as a band, you know, in terms of like rock music, I think it goes beyond this record. Like, I don't think that, you know, regardless of how, you know, this record is received by critics, I think it's going to be a fan favorite. Mm-hmm. And I also think that what it represents in terms of the potential like resurgence and the potential like uh health of you know big time rock and roll in you know in twenty eighteen and beyond i mean I think that at the very least it demonstrates that there is still a big audience for this sound, yeah. You know, and I mean, Greta Van Fleet may not be the band to fully capitalize on that or to fully like tap into it into its to its sort of fullest extent. Mm-hmm. But they've definitely succeeded in showing not just like not just fans, but also like labels, you know, sort of everybody that, you know, that this is not that rock and roll is not, you know, the, the obituaries have been sort of premature mm-hmm. for rock music you know that there there is a sort of hunger um and potentially a you know commercially viable and potentially you know culturally viable hunger for this kind of music um so i think that yeah i think that they they are going to continue to be a force in that conversation and and again definitely like you know like you could <laughs> you could certainly you know do do worse than booking them at a festival because <laughs> they're going to deliver oh yeah um you know Sort of every, every. I mean, again, if they're, if my, if my limited, um, you know, my limited evidence, my limited personal evidence <laughs> is any indication, like you know, they're going to deliver for you, sort of every time, and they're going to keep, you know, bringing converts in with every, you know, show they play. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think that they're a really important part of the future for rock, um, and and we'll see if we'll see if that uh, we'll see if they match that importance on uh, on an album. 
one of these days. I don't know if they quite got there this time, but uh, you know, it's not a not a terrible first effort. On top of that, as well, I mean, they're likable guys. You know, you heard the interview oh, yeah. with uh, Spencer Kaufman from Heavy Consequence. Uh, the nice interview as sure. well. Um, they're, they're just likable guys. They seem like, you know, I mean, I don't, I don't say normal guys because obviously people can have their own opinion on what's normal and what's not. But I mean, they just seem like likable guys. In today's music, there's let's let's just be honest here. There's very few likable bands <laughs> in the, in the music the industry. Case, yeah. <laughs> so that that's one thing also that I wanted to point out. So let's go ahead and get to the final, the wrap up. Your yep. grade and essential tracks from Anthem of the Peaceful Army. Yes, I gave this one a C plus. Um, Ouch. You know, I think that. Yeah, I just I don't know. Um, it's just I. That's my that was my my gut feeling, and then I you know I. <laughs> sort of listened to it once and then I, I had that sort of in mind and then, you know, listened to it a few more times and looked for looked for a reason to bump it up and I just couldn't I just couldn't find one on this one. But uh you know, like I said, there's still a lot to like and there's still a lot of um songs that I think are gonna be uh certainly big hits for these guys. Um my essential tracks are uh once again lover leaver, taker believer. I think that's mm-hmm. that's if I had a prediction about what was gonna be the the enduring sort of hit from this one. I think it's, it's that opener age of man. Um, I think yes. it, it did a really effective job at setting the tone. And then, uh, uh, when the curtain falls, that was another uh, fun one that I thought really captured a lot of their, like, uh, it's sort of, jam- it was kind of like a jammy. Yeah. Little tune, you know, like I thought that that was a, an interesting Avenue, but they explored a little bit on this record of just like really cutting loose and and leaning into their their sort of natural you know performance talents. I thought that that one showcased that a lot, and it also did a really good job of um you know especially with like showing off the uh, guitar solo solo yes. stuff. You can see why crowds go wild for that one, including yeah. Jimmy Fallon's. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Jake is the man. I don't know if you felt this way as well. Um, before I get to my quick essential tracks, I don't know if you felt this way, but when I first heard "When the Curtain Falls" when it first came out back in the sum- early this summer, um, really wasn't the biggest fan of it. But for some reason, when I heard it throughout this album, you know, in order, um, after the Cold Wind and then preceding "Watching Over," which I wasn't a big fan of, but I, mm. I, I did like it. You know, coming after the Cold Wind, so maybe coming after that. And Age of Man that you mentioned coming after those two, it made me appreciate it a little bit more. Yeah, that 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 was a case where I think the sequencing was was pretty on pretty on point. Mm-hmm. Um, again, sort of coming on that much stronger first half of the record. Yeah, I thought that those those uh, those those three as the opening sort of one two three were did work really well together. Yeah, so my my couple essential tracks, Age of Man, obviously that's probably my favorite one on the entire project. Just starts off starts off with the bang, man. This is this is exactly yeah. what I wanted to hear. This is 2018 rock band here to stay. Um, I had that one. I had uh, I'm gonna switch it up though because we we both had some of the same. So I'm gonna I'm gonna throw in Anthem. I thought I thought it was pretty good. I, I like it. Yeah. Um, although. It's a good summary of the album, and it tells you exactly what they want you to hear from them. Their message tells you what the album's about. So I had to have Anthem on there, and I like The Cold Wind. I know we haven't touched on that a whole lot, um, but yeah, track two, The Cold Wind, I really like that one as well. I mean, pretty much, I mean, you could really take one through six, honestly, outside of watching over, and I'm fine with any of them. 
um, yeah. as your essential tracks. Um, but yeah, I, I like the cold wind as well. And, and that's really important when it comes to album sequencing is I don't want to say everything, but if we come up with a top three list of the most important things, you know, when releasing an album, sequencing has to be it's in the top there, three. Yeah. Oh, I was just going to say also that just really quickly um, before I forget, and this is something that I would like to, you know, um, I know I've kind of bagged on the um, bagged on the second half of the record, but mm-hmm. one area that I would not be disappointed if they explored a little more was some of the sort of lower tempo, sort of like ballady mm-hmm. type songs. I thought that those, and this includes Anthem, I did like the sort of like like arrangement wise and performance wise. I thought that those were those were really good. Um, I also really liked. Um, uh, you you brought up um, you're the one. Um, it's my jam. I really liked uh, uh, the vocal delivery on that one. You know, it felt sort of that was where I felt I felt like you got to hear. You know, it felt like the ghost of Robert Plant like left his body for <laughs> for a minute, and you got to hear Josh's voice. You know, sort of feeling more natural and less you know, less sort of theatrical. And I really, I thought that, you know, he still sounded so good that, that I, I, I kind of hope that they take the time to explore that in the future as well. Cause I think that that would be a really, um, fruitful, you know, path to walk down. Very intrigued to see where they go from here. This is only the debut album. Tons more to come. They're, they're in their early twenties. Yeah. I'm sure there'll be plenty more uh, to come out yeah. for this young rock they band. The they got they got the energy for it. <laughs> Absolutely. So not only what's coming up for them, I'm intrigued to know what's coming up for you. What, what you got coming up as well? Oh, man. Well, I'm currently right now, I've got, uh, I'm working on a review for the old the old Tenacious D. Ooh. Still, uh, still sitting with that record for a little bit. And mm. then... Uh, Jack Black. Also, like I think I mentioned, yeah, man, <laughs> I feel like that was the soundtrack of my <laughs> like late high school to early college days <laughs> were uh, pretty... Pretty tenacious D heavy, so I'm excited to see if that uh, translates to to 34 as well. So, um, and then yeah, and then I'm uh, I think I mentioned last week too. We're working on a big um, recap of the summer festival season yeah. um, here. Uh, we'll be coming up in the next little bit, you know, and I'm sure Greta Van Fleet will be a part of that because they were a huge part of this um, summer festival season. And other than that, it's just I'm just keeping my fingers crossed and watching. Uh, Watching some Notre Dame football coming up, hopefully. <laughs> hopefully some more wins. <laughs> keep, that, keep that perfect record going. So yeah, I'm that loving my it. plan for the next little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, man. We're going for it. About all they got left. Uh, they got the, right. Syrac- the Syracuse game. That's going to be tough. That's all. That's a neutral Syracuse, game. Syracuse is, Syracuse is very tough. <laughs> yeah, that's, <laughs> I mean, that's the one that I'm the most scared of. You always got to worry about the neutral games. All right, Tyler Clark, senior writer, consequencesound.net, <laughs> joining us. Tyler, thanks for joining me, man. Look forward to what you got coming up, man. Great stuff. Thanks, man. Always a pleasure. Special thanks to my man, Tyler Clark, senior writer from ConsequenceSound.net, for joining me to review the debut album by Greta Van Fleet, Anthem of the Peaceful Army. Obviously, tons of things coming up for Consequence of Sound. You can keep up with all of it by going to the website at ConsequenceSound.net. There are other podcasts for you to check out as well. When you go to the website, click the podcast tab. They're all there for you. There are summaries there for you to check out which podcasts are good for you. Make us one of your favorites by subscribing, rating, and reviewing on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and anywhere podcasts are available. That'll do it for this week's edition of Album of the Week, and we'll be back next week right here on the Consequence of Sound Podcast Network. I've been your host, Dedrick. Kendricks.
Consequence Podcast Network.